Welcome back to the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Ozenchuk, and you can find me on Twitter at DFBeanCounter. So the thing that's on my mind today is uh, is consistency. I keep seeing this Kadarius Tony guy pop up on Twitter, and I'm like, this is like, he's the opposite of consistency. He did absolutely nothing for three years and then popped for one year, and now people think that he's actually going to be good in the NFL, which, I mean, it could happen. It's just really, really rare. And each season, there's a player like this, a new flavor of the month, some guy that pops up out of completely nowhere. And then there's 37 new articles every each and every day written about how he's the truth and you need to get him in. You need to get in on the ground floor. I don't like those guys. Those guys are my guys. I like guys that show us they're great year after year after year. And the guy that's on my mind today plays quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. His name is Baker Mayfield. First off. Baker had one of the best prospect profiles we've ever seen. When I'm doing prospect grading on quarterbacks, I'm looking for things like consistent efficiency and consistently high PFF grades, which means age adjusted. I want them to be at the top at age 18 and age 19 and age 20. When you age adjust for those things, I want to see how they perform. I want them to be uh, relatively young. I don't want 23-year-old rookie quarterbacks. Uh, 22 or younger, please. Uh, breakout age. I want them to break out at a moderate age. I want starting experience. I want them to play quarterback as a starter for two or three years in college. And I want draft capital. Draft capital matters so much for quarterbacks because film matters so much for quarterbacks. Draft capital is driven by film. And once you get outside like the top 15 picks in the NFL draft, even the back half of the first round is a total train wreck of of just bust after bust after bust. Even within the top 15, there's a lot of busts, but once you get outside that, it's it it gets scary. So anyway, with Baker, let's go through it all. Let's start with the easy stuff first. Uh, Baker Mayfield is the number one pick in the draft. In 2018, he was number one. It doesn't get better than that. Number one pick, box checked. He was a three-year starter, box checked. He has enough starting experience. Unfortunately, he was a 23-year-old rookie, box not checked. He had to transfer at one point. Uh, but anyways, he was a 23 year old rookie. That's not what we're looking for. But on the flip side of that, he basically broke player profilers breakout age metric with an 18.4 breakout age, which was in the hundredth percentile box smashed. And from a consistent efficiency perspective, Baker was among the leaders in the nation using, uh, ESPN's QBR rating. His final QBR was 92.6, which puts him in the 97th percentile, a box smashed. And then I use, uh, I try to age adjust PFF grades. And here's where Baker ranked among QBs that went on to be drafted at each age. So this is quarterbacks drafted rounds one to seven. So he was at age 20, he had the fourth highest PFF grade. At age 21, he was first. At age 22, he was first. When you take his collegiate average, he was first. Consistent excellence. That's what we're looking for. So now all that being said, the the basis where I start with my uh, QB grading system is with a with a model from Football Outsiders. It's called QBase. And Baker ranks third all time. If you haven't encountered QBase before, go to the Goog, type in QBase, Football Outsiders, and enjoy drafting better quarterbacks for the rest of your life. It's a total game changer. And if you're not using it, I, I believe you're making a mistake. So that being said, after he was a rookie or after he was drafted first overall by the Cleveland Browns, he then stepped on an NFL field and he immediately 
set forth on a record-breaking rookie season under the tutelage of some truly incompetent coaching from the likes of Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, Freddie Kitchens, and Greg Williams. If you, like, you can't make a more comical quartet of head coaches and offensive coordinators if you tried. That is as hilarious as it gets. And those are his rookie year coaches. Meanwhile, he's setting NFL records. And in fact, his rookie year PFF grade is one of the best we've ever seen. It goes Robert Griffin, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield. Like, it is real good. Consistent excellence. So at this point, he appeared to be a genuine superstar. His uh, his ADP per DLF, per Dynasty League Football, had skyrocketed all the way up to uh, quarterback two, I believe, after that rookie season. And rightfully so. We thought we were looking at a genuine superstar. Then in his second year, things obviously went completely off the rails. It was an unmitigated disaster. The Browns ended up cleaning house again, making the Freddie Kitchens and Todd Monken experience a one-and-done endeavor. Completely... Completely flopped. And Baker was not free of criticism. He was real bad in 2019. The one shining light that I'm kind of clinging to when it comes to uh, Baker's fantasy projections, the one shining light was he was making money throws at an absurd rate. He was 20th in pass attempts and yet 4th in money throws. Uh, this is a metric that comes from Player Profiler, and they define it as a... Money throw is defined as... A completed pass requiring exceptional skill or athleticism, as well as critical completions in clutch moments during the game. So this is something that is measuring high skill level. And Baker has been phenomenal at it since entering the NFL. And then we get to 2020. And his weapons, Baker's weapons, were suspect. Like, we have uh, Odell Beckham, who's great, but he only played seven games. And then he got hurt. We have Jarvis Landry, who, again, is great, but... He was recovering from off-season surgery. He wasn't even supposed to be ready to start the season, and he was out there. And then basically after that, you just don't have any other pass catchers other than David Njoku. But that's that's an entirely different conversation. We'll we'll get into that another day, I promise. So they're trotting out a receiving core featuring like Donovan Peoples-Jones, a guy who couldn't even do anything in Michigan, and Hollywood Higgins. And that just isn't going to cut it at the NFL level. That's not good enough. And yet, Baker finished the season with an 81.6 PFF grade, which was 10th in the NFL. He was a top 10 quarterback on a per-play basis, according to Pro Football Focus. So this is an instance where we have elite, 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 terrible, back to elite. I tend to side with the larger sample in situations like this. And then it kind of played out that way. Around week 7 in 2020, Baker got his groove back. Like, he was back in the Sahel as one of the best football throwers on the planet. And from that point forward, from week 7 onward, he was third in PFF grade. That is elite. That is very elite. And if you include the playoffs where things are supposed to get harder, Baker jumps all the way to second because he got better in the playoffs. The guy's a gamer. All that being said, all everything I've talked about so far has been about NFL. Like, is he a good starting quarterback? And he is undoubtedly a good starting quarterback. But this is a fantasy football podcast. And his points per game last year was very poor. <laughs> he was 25th in points per game. That's not even a starter in Superflex. Here's the interesting thing about that, though. It's important to remember that in the middle of the season, they played multiple games that were in monsoon-type conditions. The Vegas game was, the Houston game was, and the Philly game, it rained. I don't remember the degree, but it definitely was less than ideal. 
And then if you recall the game against the Jets, their entire receiving core that isn't very good to begin with was wiped out by COVID. Those four games significantly hampered his end of year stats and his points per game average. If you take out those four games, he jumps all the way to 19.0 points per game, which would have put him at QB 12. So he's a one quarterback league starter if you remove those games. And to be fair, you should have known Don't start Baker Mayfield in these games. Monsoon conditions, not a wide receiver of... like They didn't even have a wide receiver that you could name. You probably still can't name any of the wide receivers they had in that Jets game. He wasn't an elite quarterback from a fantasy perspective by any stretch in 2020. Uh, But the biggest takeaway here is at some point in the season, I think it was around week five or week six, there were reports saying that the Browns were considering whether or not Baker Mayfield was in fact the answer at quarterback for the franchise. I think that he answered that question pretty clearly the rest of the way. So now we're looking at a guy turning 26 that's going to be a locked-in starter for the long term. Then all we have to deal with is the low pass attempts. This is a run-first offense after all, and that certainly hampers his ceiling, but it's baked into his price. His volume isn't going to go down. He's priced at his floor. He's priced at his Low volume floor. So from an elite ceiling perspective, we either need an absurd TD rate or absurd rushing stats. The passing yards for quarterbacks doesn't impact their fantasy production as much as touchdowns do. Touchdowns are a much bigger driver of fantasy fantasy success. If you're looking for a guy that's going to outproduce where he's drafted, it's usually on the back of an absurd touchdown rate. Like something in that like seven to nine percent touchdown rate. That's where you start seeing like the Ryan Tannehills crop up that are not great quarterbacks, but they're they're okay. And then they just have this like amazing touchdown season, which Ryan Tannehill's had two in a row now. But uh, that's within range for Baker Mayfield. Last season, I already talked about his money throws in 2019. In 2020, he had 39 money throws, which was second in the NFL. He did not have the second most pass attempts. He was about. Uh, I don't know, the Browns passed for one of the least least amount of pass attempts for the entire season. So Baker Mayfield was was doing a lot with very little. Uh, that's a very good sign. That's the type of thing that you're looking for when you're saying, well, could this guy have an elite uh, touchdown rate? Yeah, he could because he makes those kinds of throws routinely. What I'm trying to say is go and buy Baker Mayfield. You need to buy Baker Mayfield right now because everyone is still afraid of this Kevin Stefanski offense that is low volume. They are low volume. I'm not projecting in any way that they're going to ramp up the volume. Although I have been looking at some uh, splits towards the end of the year and after their buy, things got kind of exciting on the passing front, but that's a small sample and we don't really know. We don't really know what they're going to do. So my suggestion is that you go and buy Baker because he's probably going to be in that back end quarterback one range if things just, you know, continue as they are. But if he gets that crazy TD rate, he could get into the top six probably. And if they ramp up the pass volume and he gets that crazy TD rate, we could be looking at a very, very good season. At the very worst though, I think his floor is in the 12 to 16 range. His ceiling is probably in the 6 to 12 range. And he's probably going to be in the quarterback 12 range overall. And he's 26. He is a locked in long-term starter. So this is the kind of player that you need to go and get in Dynasty. You can hold them and just plug them into your starting lineup week in and week out. So on the topic of consistent excellence, there's the reverse of that as well. I can call it uh, consistent incompetence. And the next player we're going to talk about is the epitome of consistent incompetence. 
Uh, his name is Mike Jacecki, tight end, Miami Dolphins. A lot of people have been bamboozled by Mike Jacecki's athletic gifts. He, like, he is an absolute specimen. Uh, 6'6", 247 pounds, 96th, 95th, 99th, 99th, 100th in 40-yard dash, speed score, burst score, agility score, and catch radius on playerprofiler.com. He is physically perfect. Problem is, from a production standpoint, it's never been there. He's had all those gifts and has never been able to do anything with it. it back in college, his college production was uh, highly uh, not good. In four years of college, he exceeded my market share thresholds twice. He exceeded my yards per team pass attempt threshold once. All those gifts and continually failing to convert them into on-field production. Consistent incompetence. In my process, he came out as a maybe grade, which is not really very good. <laughs> That's kind of a major red flag at tight end. The Miami Dolphins completed, completely wasted the 10th pick in the second round in 2018. There were so many better players they could have chosen from, and they just botched it. And he immediately floundered as a rookie, which should come as no surprise given his profile. He was one of the very, 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 very few tight ends that actually lost value after their rookie year. The expectations for rookie tight ends are so comically low that pretty much everyone maintains their value, except for Mike Giusecki. Somehow he was the, one of the few that lost value. Then in 2019, his fantasy owners, they just got bailed out by a Preston Williams injury. That's right. Mike Giusecki's career was hanging in the balance and it took an undrafted rookie free agent getting hurt for him to not completely flame out. Prior to the Williams injury, this is the yardage Giusecki had put up on a per game basis. 31 11, 9, 51, 41, and 10. That's right. He averaged 25.5 yards per game. That is embarrassing. And then obviously, just like he got hurt and everything got better, or uh, Preston got hurt and everything got better. And then in 2020, the same damn thing happens. Lightning struck again. Preston Williams gets hurt in week nine and Jacecki starts producing again. In the first eight weeks of the season, Jacecki had 30, 130, 15, 15, 91, 0 and 8 receiving yards. He was unstartable in 5 out of 7 games. And then Williams gets hurt, and voila! Jacecki finishes the season as a tight end one yet again. A tale as old as time. And now, now, Tua Tongaveloa has to deal with this guy as his best weapon? And people are down on Tua? Like, give me a break. Jacecki barely even qualifies as a tight end at this point. His 49.9% sn slot snap rate was number two in the NFL, and thank God, because otherwise he was completely useless. He was a total zero after the catch. He had 139 total yards after the catch. Good for tight end 30. He was 12th in receptions. Like, he did nothing after the catch. And even from, like, a true catch rate percentage, like, when the throw was on target, he converted it into a catch at the tight end 24 rate. Do you know how bad tight ends are? Tight end 24 is real not good. A true talent like Mike Jacecki should be converting more than that. Unless, of course, he's not a true talent. Which is, of course, what he is not a true talent. Consistent incompetence. So as soon as the Dolphins slipped their draft card on uh, in the 2021 draft and revealed that the third pick in the NFL draft is Jamar Chase, it's officially over for Mike Jacecki. His volume-fueled masquerade as a fantasy tight end one, will come to an abrupt end. And you do not want to be holding the bag when it happens. Get out from Mike Jacecki right now. 
So a player that should get the bag in 2021 is Allen Robinson. Do you remember that time uh, three years ago when Andy Reid paid a hell of a lot more for Sammy Watkins than he did Allen Robinson in free agency? I do too. It's it's funny because some of y'all just want to like coach worship Andy Reid and you know pump Clyde Clyde Edwards Hilaire up to the RB one chair in the 2020 draft class, but that's a topic for a different day. We're talking about Allen Robinson today and. Allen Robinson is a dude who put up a wide receiver seven season with Blake Bortles in 2015. He put up a wide receiver nine season with Mitchell Trubisky in 2019. And then last year in 2020, he put up a wide receiver 13 season with a combination of Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. It can't get worse. It cannot get worse. And now Allen Robinson is a free agent. It can't get worse. This is, this is rock bottom. (laughs) So Allen Robinson, he's a throwback, right? Like he he fits the profile of the bully X receiver. He's six foot two. He's two hundred twenty pounds. He's dominated every step of the way, dating back to uh, back to college, where he was the offense at Penn State. Uh, he's an alpha through and through. It shows up in the game logs. In twenty nineteen, he had a twenty seven percent target share. In twenty twenty, it was twenty five point four percent. Over the last two years, he's averaged a 26.2% target share. That is well within range of a wide receiver one season. And remember, alphas eat first. And make no mistake, Allen Robinson is an alpha. Wherever he lands, he eats first. So I have him ranked in the top tier uh, in a range from wide receiver nine, or I have him ranked in a tier from wide receiver nine to 15 in my dynasty rankings on Patreon. And I give every player a buy, sell, or hold designation. I gave Allen Robinson the buy designation. I think he's someone you should go out and get. A new thing I'm implementing for the Dynasty rankings starting on February 21st is I'm putting in high-level projections. I'm not saying, like, he's going to score this many points. I'm saying I think he's either going to be a top 5 receiver, a top 12, top 24, top top 36, so on and so forth. So I'm giving them, like, a top 5, wide receiver 1, wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3, so on and so forth. Allen Robinson is one of the players I feel most confident about. Obviously, his projection isn't concrete at this point. He's a free agent. We don't know where he's going to land. I'm using the expectation that he's going to end up somewhere in the middle. He's going to get an average situation. And I feel really good about Allen Robinson with an average situation. I Each player is going to get a, a designation on their projections. It's either going to be, they're going to have an expected. So where I think they're going to end up. So with Allen Robinson, I think he's going to be a top 12 receiver if he's in a moderate landing spot. If he's in a good landing spot, I also give that projection. So if he ends up, you know, with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, uh, tears his ACL and he's out for the year and it's just Allen Robinson and Patrick Mahomes, I still think he's going to be a top 12 receiver. I don't know that there's a landing spot out there right now that's going to push him into the top five. That, that one might be, but that's kind of far-fetched. Like I, That's not within reason. There's no open landing spot right now that is going to push him into the top five for me. And then I give a low. So that's their expected, their ceiling. And then I give them a low one. So what's their floor? What if he ends up in the worst landing spot? I still think he's going to be right in that top 12 range. I can't see it getting worse than it is right now. I mean, maybe he goes to top 15, but my designations are top five, top 12, top 24, and he's... You know, he's going to be in the top 12 range. So what would I pay for Allen Robinson? I gave him the buy designation. How am I buying him? According to DynastyLeagueFootball.com's trade analyzer, his trade value is roughly a mid-first round pick. 
I'm not spending a mid first round pick on Allen Robinson. That's not how I like to play dynasty. I believe that I'm getting a bulletproof wide receiver in the middle of the first round this year. I'm getting a 21 year old Allen Robinson all over again. I'm not willing to trade that. So how do I get Allen Robinson then? What's my strategy to go out and buy Allen Robinson? If I have a 2020 rookie that didn't pop the way I had hoped, so someone like a uh, Jerry Judy or a Jalen Rieger or someone like that, those are the guys I'm looking to go and flip for Allen Robinson. You might be able to get uh, Robinson straight up for Jerry Judy. You're probably going to have to add a little to Jalen Rieger, but uh, that's the kind of deal that I'd be looking to structure. And the other way to attack it is to come from above. So one of my favorite things to do is trade like really high level wide receivers. Like the guys at the top of the list, I want to trade those guys away. So you can do it either with like an aging veteran that hasn't lost his value yet, like a Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins, something like that. If I could trade down from one of them to get Allen Robinson in a first or a first and a second or even two firsts, I doubt it, but could happen. I'd be really into that. The alternative is the guys that are valued super high that I just don't think have super high ceilings, like someone like a... um, like an AJ Brown or a DK Metcalf, those guys are in the WR1 overall conversation. And I don't I don't have them there. My projections don't say they're going to finish as WR1. I think they have very similar projections to Allen Robinson. So if I can flip those guys and get Allen Robinson plus for them, like those guys I might be able to get two first for. You know, Allen Robinson or sorry, uh, DK Metcalf for Allen Robinson and two firsts, I'd be very into that. Even a first and a second, that would be fine with me. Something along those lines. So anyway, I think you should go buy Allen Robinson. Like, go get him right now. So it was pointed out that uh, after the last episode, I didn't really explain my process for how I grade rookies. And I I talk a lot about the grades that I give to rookies. So I should probably just touch on that really quick. Uh, Each position has a different methodology. It's not the same at every position. And it's not a regression model. I don't have a regression model. I basically look at the same metrics on every player. Uh, I calculate the correlation on each metric, and then I look at those same metrics that seem to matter on every player. I then start plotting the players into the same buckets that check the same boxes. So if they did this and this and this, but not this, they go in this box. If they did this and this and this, but not this, they go into this box, so on and so forth. I have four main grades, bulletproof, coin flip, maybe, and bust. And not all positions have all four tiers. It's all based on historical hit rates. And and the historical hit rates are consistent across positions. So for instance, I believe tight ends. I don't have a coin flip tier. I don't have a way of telling you how to separate the maybe tier guys that hit from the coin flip guys that hit. I just can't figure it out. So tight ends have bulletproof, maybe, and bust. Makes sense. Wide receivers have bulletproof, coin flip, maybe, and bust. Most positions have all four. Uh, So the historical hit rates on these, so that you can get an idea of where I'm coming from, these are historical hit rates. They're not probability of future success. This is what happened in the past. Anything can happen in the future. So bulletproof is 75% plus. That's what they've hit at historically. Uh, Coin flip is 50%. Uh, Maybe is 25% and bust is 10%. Bust doesn't mean this player can never hit. It will never happen. It means most of the guys that look like this don't hit. So don't make that bet. It's all that it means. 
So to give you some examples from the 2020 class on how these players graded out, uh, the bulletproof wide receivers were uh, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb, and K.J. Hamler. So if we were to apply it, the historical hit rate, it's pretty clear to see who was the 25% that we're going to miss before the draft. Like, it was obvious. <laughs> and then in the coin flip tier, we have guys like Jerry Judy. In 2021, Devonta Smith will fall into this tier. And then in the maybe tier, we have guys like drafted in the second round last year. Denzel Mims. We have guys like Denzel Mims in the maybe tier. And then the bust tier, we have guys like uh, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin hit. But, uh, you know, he's one out of one out of ten. It's not a great hit rate. So anyways, I have two other tiers as well that are they're still in the workshop. Uh, Transcendent and Generational. I used to use these because kind of a you know it when you see it tier. But I'm trying to define it so that it's not so subjective because I just don't like subjectivity that much. So those are still in the workshop. Guys that look like they're going to be generational at the wide receiver position are the guys you'd expect. Like these, these are not surprises is the way to put it. It's just a way to kind of separate the, the like wow prospects from the other really good bulletproof prospects. So we'll have guys like uh, AJ Green and Julio Jones and Calvin Johnson and DJ Moore. And if the way it's currently trending on how I build this for wide receivers, we'll have Justin Jefferson, which I really wish I would have known last year, but you know, you only know what you know. So anyways, those are the, those are the other tiers. They're not there yet. So anyway, if you uh, if you like the show, please give it a rating and a review. It really helped the podcast grow. And then, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we also have a YouTube channel. It's the Bulletproof Fantasy Football YouTube channel. If you could subscribe there as well, it would really help. Uh, the videos that are posted there are actually just the podcast with video. And then, um, and then it'll have graphics that help explain things. So when I'm talking about all these different numbers and everything, it can, it can be hard to follow on a on a podcast. But in the YouTube video, you'll have visuals that will show you what I'm talking about. Uh, and then, of course, you can find me on Twitter at DFBeanCounter. That's probably where you found me originally. And then if you want my rankings and analysis and so on and so forth, you can find that at Patreon, uh, website patreon.com backslash DFBeanCounter. So that's all for now. Thank you.